You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.gmail.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. So, not that I'm into politics, not that I'm into this kind of stuff, but uh, there are things happening in the world. Uh, we will mention it briefly, of course, right now, uh, uh, what's going on in Israel and the missiles and the rockets and people hiding in shelters and just the craziness of the world that allows... I mean, it's historical. Look, we've, uh, we'll talk about it. But, uh, you know, how could it be that, that a terrorist is allowed to shoot his missiles at at your citizens and the world says it's okay and when you try to protect yourself the world says how dare you protect yourself so it's a it's a sad um fact of life but life doesn't really change right if uh, if, if the jewish people think that everybody's always loved them um they're in for a rude awakening and there are countries that are kinder to us. Obviously, America is an amazing country to us. And there are countries that are not as kind. And sometimes it depends on politics and who's the politician. But at the end of the day, I think we all need to remember. And that's what people forget. Um, it's not the president. And it's not the prime minister. And it's not the terrorist. It's all God. We had the story a few weeks ago in Mayron, that tragic story. And we had a tragic story here in Detroit where someone passed away at a young age. It's all God. So God wants these people to suffer. He wants these people to, unfortunately, if they have to be killed, or he wants these people to have to suffer hiding in bunkers. It's, it's sad. It is something that we have to pray for. And I had my class uh, pray today. People say, I pray for you. I pray for you. So I always wonder, what does that mean? When you say to me, you're praying for me, does that mean you actually took out a book of Psalms and you started praying for me? Or does that mean you feel bad for me and it sounds good if you say you, you pray for me? So I'm not sure. But I know that uh, that's what we have to do. It's all up to God. God is going to decide what happens to each person and where missiles will go, where missiles won't go, and who will live and, and who will, God forbid, die. Uh, but it's God. So uh, sometimes we forget. And we need a reminder that it doesn't matter the politicians, it doesn't matter the countries, it doesn't matter anything. It matters with God, and that can lead us into a fascinating parable that I read last week. And then we'll try to get into the holiday coming up, the holiday of Shavuot. It is around the corner, and we'll touch on as many of those important topics as we can get to. So, uh, the parable goes as follows. Uh, there was a lowly petty officer, and he was accused of murdering one of the viceries of the king. And he was actually found guilty. And then strangest of strange, instead of being taken to the firing squad, this low officer, this petty officer, um, was actually given a higher position and, and more responsibility. 
and a hiring position and more responsibility. And over the next year or so, he, he is just having a meteor, meteoric uh, rise to fame and fortune. And he becomes from the most important people in the kingdom. And then he finally gets the position of viceroy himself. And no sooner does he get the position of viceroy, um, the king orders him taken out to the firing squad and executed. What's going on? Like, what happened? Like, what gives? So, Rebarach of Kosov explains. Um, the, it says in the Talmud that whoever harasses the Jewish people will attain leadership. Why? Why? Why does that have to happen? Because there are times when the Jewish people need punishment. So Hashem will elevate an inferior nation, allows them to take advantage of the Jewish people, and as soon as they feel mighty, like they're all of a sudden in charge, then God will take his revenge, and that is, whether we like it or not, what seems to be our history. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk cheesecake. The Shavuos holiday is upon us. It is famous that people will have milk products um, over the holiday. No other holiday do we talk about specifically having milk products. Generally speaking, on most holidays, people will have meat. People will have all kinds of fancy dishes. People will try to prepare nicer things. Um, But on the Shavuot holiday, everyone knows there's also, um, at some point, people make sure to have some type of milk Product. That's where cheesecake comes in because that's a pretty um, milk product delicacy because I love it and I have it usually once if I'm lucky twice a year. But generally speaking, it's a once a year shebang. Um, in previous years, I always make sure to put up pictures. It'll go up on my LinkedIn. Um, but we all love milk products and there's different reasons. Um, one of the reasons is that the milk, the word milk, um, has has the the numerical value of milk um, represents Torah in many different ways. We're not going to get into all that. It also um, represents that there was a certain sacrifice that was brought on the Shavuot holiday. It was two loaves of bread. So what happens is you cannot have milk bread and meat bread together. You can't. We. Really, really, if you have a loaf of bread that was eaten with milk products on the table, we don't reuse, if there's any leftovers, that same bread with a meat meal. So people would make sure to have milk by one of the meals. They would have no choice but to actually have to clear off that bread and bring new bread in. It would remind us of the sacrifice. Um, Others say that when we got the Torah, um, we were unable to, we weren't ready for meat, right? There's all kinds of rules and regulations and slaughtering and, and, and salting the meat and preparation of the meat and what's kosher, what's not kosher. So it's almost easier, right? Right by the Shavuot holiday, just have milk because milk is not so complicated to make it kosher. I mean, it comes from a cow or it comes from a sheep or a goat. How hard could that be already? Make some cheese. Anyways, so I was uh, studying with a friend last night, and I asked him the following question, because we're talking about Shavuot. And I said to him, I said, isn't it interesting that every holiday has a mitzvah, a command that the holiday gets wrapped around? You have Passover. Everyone knows matzah. Everyone knows we have a seder. We talk about leaving Egypt. So we, our, our whole holiday wraps around 
those commands about the matzah and about talking about leaving Egypt and the bitter herbs, right? We, we wrap ourselves in that. You have the Sukkot holiday. We have the, the palm brands, the lulav, the etrog. Uh, we sit in the hut. We sit in the sukkah for seven days. Again, we get wrapped into it. Hanukkah, right? We have a menorah. We have the candles. Purim, we have the festive meals, and we we, we send uh, food packages to people, and and we give charity. Again, we get wrapped. We read the story of Esther. We get wrapped into it. So Rosh Hashanah, everybody knows Shofar. Uh, Yom Kippur, we're fasting, right? But every holiday, we get wrapped up into a mitzvah, into a command of the holiday, Except for Shavuot. There is no mitzvah. Yes, we, we, we can't do work, similar to the Sabbath, but there's really no specific command. Yes, many people will stay up and study all night long. Maybe we'll talk about that. But that's not a mitzvah. That's a custom that maybe people do. But in the Torah, there is no mitzvah command on the holiday. So why not? That was the question I asked him. And of course, my friend says to me, Rabbi... I actually had the very same question. I said, good, now I'm going to answer it for you. So one of the answers is that the focus of the Shavuot holiday is that God gave us the Torah. If we would get involved in any specific command, it would just take away from what my focus is supposed to be. My focus on the Shavuot holiday is to remember that God gave us the Torah. No matter when they say seminal moments in history, this was the Jewish people's seminal moment in history. Why? Because God came down on Mount Sinai and spoke to millions of people. Never did it happen before. Never did it happen again where God would reveal himself and talk to an entire nation, millions of people. It's true We couldn't handle it. I actually just taught it to my class today. In other words, God said the first two of the Ten Commandments. God said the first two of the Ten Commandments to the Jewish people. And every time one word came out, so their bodies flew back, their souls left because of all that spirituality, and the angels came down, and they they brought us back to life, and they brought us back to the mountain, and God said another word, and again our bodies flew back, and, and our souls flew out of our body. We kept living and dying over and over. So after the first two commands, the first two commandments, we went to Moses and said, we can't handle it. It's too much. So I asked my class, I said, you think God didn't know? In other words, there's very few prophets. And even from the prophets, there's only Moses who actually speaks face to face with God. All other prophets get in a dream or, or, or they collapse on the floor because they can't stand. The, the, the idea of God talking directly to people is, for the most part, more than most part, except for Moses, and by Mount Sinai, is not happening because the human body cannot handle it. Just can't handle it. No problem. So you think God doesn't know that? Of course God knows that. So if God knows that we can't handle it, so what, what's the game? I told my class, I said, you know, you come home and you tell your mother you want to try something. And your mother knows it's not going to work. She knows. She's older. She has experience. And she says, don't bother. You can't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please, please. So eventually, you know, you wear your parents down and uh, you give in. The parents give in. Ah, you find out right away you can't do it. You can't handle it. 
Okay, so your parents figure it's easier to let you figure it out yourself. But in this case, God knows it's not possible. So if it's not possible anyways, why exactly is, uh, is God wasting our time? Right? We can't handle it. Tell us we can't handle it. Speak to Moses. We'll see he's talking to Moses, and we'll all be happy. We'll all learn. So Moses says, the verse says, that the reason, a straight out verse, right? Not, not, uh, not oral law, straight out. That Moses says, Levavor nasois eschem, in order to uplift you, right? And that you will, you saw God and you will fear God. In other words, God talked to us. If God talked directly to the Jewish people, we now are special. Even though we couldn't handle it. And even though we had to tell Moses, forget about it. We tried, we are humans, we can't handle it. But at the end of the day, Millions of people, our great, 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 whatever it is, uh, 20-something generations back. It's not really so far, by the way, right? But, but you go back 20 generations, our great, 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 great relatives. No, more than 20 generations. I was thinking something else. I'm sorry. But whatever it is that, that 3,300 years ago, right? So God spoke to our relatives. He actually spoke to all our souls also, but... But God spoke to the nation of Israel. He spoke to the Jewish people, and that is in our bones now. That makes us special. How could you go ahead and, and want to rebel against God? I'm not saying we're all perfect, right? But how could a person want to rebel against God when God spoke directly to him, right? You get to speak to the president, so at least in the old days. Such an honor to speak to a president, so you, you will love that person. Again, nowadays, people don't respect anybody. So nowadays, nothing counts. But there was a time when you were able to speak to an important person. You, you were so honored that that person spoke to you, you could only say good about that person because, because of what people used to be. So God spoke to us. So by, by God doing that, and the only time in history that God ever spoke to a nation was then by the Torah. So when other religions come along and say, God changed his mind, and God spoke to one person and nobody else knows about it, and that one person says that I'm the new prophet and God told me he doesn't want the Jewish people anymore, you got to follow the new prophet. So we say, hello, God spoke to us directly. You claim that God spoke to you. If God changed his mind, no problem. Let God come back to us. He did it once before. Let him come back, speak to the whole nation, and say, guys, you're out of here. Okay, then we'll know we're out of here. But until God comes back, he spoke to us to say we're in. If he wants us out, let God come and tell us himself. But from one individual or multiple individual prophets, depending on the religion, that we don't have to worry about. It is interesting um, the Torah was given in the desert, and as God spoke to us, not in Jerusalem, not in the land of Israel, uh, but in the middle of a desert. Because God's saying there is no one place where the Jewish people has to be to learn Torah, to study Torah. You can learn Torah anywhere. It is what made us special is not that we were in the land of Israel. What made us special is that God spoke to us. And he didn't speak to us in the land of Israel. Yes, the land of Israel is very beautiful. Don't get me wrong. A lot of commandments can only be done in the land of Israel. But what makes us special is not the land of Israel. What makes the Jewish people special is that God came down on Mount Sinai and he spoke to the entire Jewish nation. He spoke to us. We, we didn't get too much because we couldn't handle it. Moses had to give us the rest. But God spoke to us. Another important facet to learn 
from the short holiday. Um, God gave the Torah on Mount Sinai. Why Mount Sinai? So all kindergarten children learn that there were many mountains in the area, and there were much more larger mountains, more majestic mountains. But God said, I'm going to give the Torah Mount Sinai because Mount Sinai is the lowest of the mountains. So it teaches us humbleness. So the question is very good. So if you want to teach me humbleness, don't give the Torah on a mountain. Go find a low valley. If God gives the Torah in a low valley, that will teach me to be really humble. Why a mountain? Right? Think about it, right? We, many of us know that the Mount Sinai was the lowest in the mountains, and therefore God chose that mountain to teach us humbleness. So use a valley, right? That's an interesting thing to think about. So the answer is that the Torah was given on a mountain. We became important because God gave us the Torah, and he gave it to us on a mountain. It was important that it should be a mountain. We're important. We're special, Right? But in our specialness, in what makes us special and that we are uplifted and we are important, you have to be humble at the same time. We are not doormats. We are not shmatis. We are important. We got the Torah. God spoke to us. That makes us his special nation. But at the same time, right, you have to be humble. So you got to be able to, to deal with both. If we were just in a valley... So it doesn't make any importance to the Torah that was given to us. It doesn't make us feel important. And then we will be doormats. And that's not what it's all about. So I mentioned beforehand there's a famous custom that many people try. Not everyone can handle it. But uh, the men try to stay up and study all night long. Now again, all night is, I mean, all night is all night, but it's not that long. By the time you come home from synagogue, by the time you finish eating, it's already 12, 1230. By the time you get to a, a, a synagogue, a shul, a, a base message to learn, so it's 1 o'clock. I'm giving my first lecture at 1 o'clock. So I think there's three lectures scheduled that night. By the time you give three lectures and a few minutes and a break to have a little uh, piece of cake, it's 5 o'clock in the morning, and now it's time to pray. So it's not that long of a night. You know, sometimes we think we're staying up all night. I could learn the whole Torah. No, I could learn a few pages because I get to study for a couple hours. And truthfully, I would rather sleep at night, be wide awake the next day. I get much more accomplished. But it is an old custom with, with uh, many, many um, special rewards that come along with staying up that night. First things first, it is a remembrance, which again is, you got to fathom this. Right? The Jewish people know that God is coming down to give the Torah. And they go to sleep. You know God is showing up tomorrow morning. You're going to sleep? You're not going to sleep. You're going to the mountain early. You are getting yourself a front row seat to make sure you are there and ready. Even though God won't be showing up for another four hours. That's okay. You want a, you want a front row seat? People go to air shows. They go hours in advance. Probably people for, I mean, I don't know these other things. People want to maybe go to concerts or other places. People go early. Why were we not up the whole night waiting for God to show up? So that uh, complaint, uh, we try to rectify that. And we stay up the whole night studying. Um, It actually says that somebody who studies that night, no harm will come to him uh, that whole year. 
Um, it says he'll have Talmudic scholars for descendants. It will atone for sin. It will atone for wasting time. It says the gates of heaven are open for livelihood for people that stay up that night studying. It says prayers are accepted. So therefore it became a custom that as many people who can handle it will stay up during the night studying. Even little children. Okay, usually little kids are just running around. Um, when I first came to town, somehow even the third graders would be studying with their teacher at 1 o'clock in the morning. So I tried it once. And they were so, it wasn't their fault. Hello, it's 1.30 in the morning. What do you want a, a, a 10-year-old to do? So I put an end to that. I said, we're not doing this no more. What we're going to do is, an hour before the evening prayers, the boys can come. It's late enough at night for them. It's going to be from like 9 to 10. They can feel like they stayed up. And then they get a good night's sleep, like all children should. Um, that's, for the most part, the holiday. There's a few other things we do. We actually read the book of Ruth. Um, now, every holiday, pretty much, um, has its own, what we call a Megillah. Right? We have on Purim, we have this the, the Megillah of Esther. Um, obviously, that that's the story. On Tisha B'Av, on the 9th of Av, we read the book of Ecclesiastes, of Eicha, which talks about the destruction of the temple. On Passover, we read Song of Songs from King Solomon, which is uh, a love story, but it's it's the representative of the love that God has for the Jewish people. He took us out of Egypt. On Sukkot, we read um, Kehelas, um, I forgot what that one's called in English, but that's okay. Um, that's that's also for King Solomon, but that's telling a person that uh, there's nothing better than Torah study, and he's checked out all the pleasures in the world, and uh, nothing compares to Torah study, and don't think you're going to find a new pleasure. He tried them all out already, and he's seen what's there, and he knows what's what the world is all about. Fine. So that's why is that in the Sukkot time, because... Sukkos is when the farmers have harvested all their grains. Now you feel like you have money. Now you feel like you accomplished. Uh, you have to know it's all God. It's not you. It's God. This is what God wants you to have. Then we have the book of Ruth. Very nice story, right? Um, the basic story is we have, uh, we have uh, Naomi and her husband Elimelech with the two sons. They leave the land of Israel. They go to the fields of Moab. The two sons marry these two Moavi princesses. They all die, except for the princesses and Nummy. They go back to the land of Israel. Um, one sister stays behind. Ruth converts. Uh, she collects in the fields, and eventually she will marry her, um, actually a relative of Nummy. And from that marriage comes the famous King David. Okay, very, okay, great story. But what does it have to do with the holiday of Shavuot? So I asked my class, and surprisingly, they knew a lot of the answers. Ruth was a convert. That means she accepted all 613 mitzvot. So to the holiday of Shavuot, that's what we did. We, the Jewish nation, accepted all 613 mitzvot. The story itself takes place during the Shavuot holidays. Another answer, King David, um, his um, yard site is actually the second day of Shavuot, so um, that, those are the basic gists of what happens. But in my few minutes that I have left, if I have that much, um, I would like to tell you one facet of the story of Ruth. And that is amazing. 
So Ruth approaches Boaz middle of the night, and she says, uh, you have to dig the fields, and you have to marry me, and Boaz says, well, there's a closer relative, he has first dibs. Boaz goes to that relative, the relative says, I'll redeem the field, but I can't marry Ruth, because there was a, a raging um, question in law of, uh, can, can a convert from Moab, a lady convert from Moab, could she marry into the Jewish people or not? Boaz said yes, the question is, what would future rabbis say? So Boaz says, yes, he marries her that night. He marries her that night. He is dead the next morning. He was an old man already at that time, which is amazing. In other words, because he did his mitzvah immediately, he merited to have a grandson, King David. Whoa. If he would have said, let me open my calendar and let's figure out when's a good time to get married, he would be dead. And King David would have had to come from somebody else. So, as we say, when opportunity knocks, right? And when opportunity knocks, you better take advantage because if you wait, that opportunity may not be there anymore. And my music is playing. So, I hope you like the short and sweet like always. And we have to thank all of our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. And thank the wonderful production team. We have David and Kelsey in the back. I have left some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NM Streamcast. And until next time, don't forget to think about it.